Hi everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Have you ever thought that you were doing something super duper great? You're so excited, you're ready to see the fruit of your hard work, and then all of a sudden things start to go in a really weird direction really quickly. Uh, Today we're going to see that with Paul and Barnabas as they are off on one of their journeys um, in order to grow the Church of Christ, um, to bring more people um, to an understanding of who Jesus was. And we will see how one of these awkward moments really just pops up for them as they are ministering to these Gentile people. Um, We are reading from Acts chapters 13 and 14 today. And Ryan, what are some of the things that stuck out to you in this interesting reading. Uh, the, the very first interesting fact that you may not have picked up from your Sunday school flannel graph or flannel board or whatever when you were younger is that most likely we are introduced to two uh, black disciples that you probably didn't know were even in here. But in chapter 13, right in verse uh, 1, verse, verse 1 into verse 2, I guess, um, it calls out Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and then Menean, a lifelong friend. So these are these are kind of the prophets and teachers that are present at Antioch. And Simeon, um, being called Niger, like that actually means black. Like they were referring to most likely what he looked like and His where complexion. he was from. Yeah. And then Lucius is widely understood to also be um, of African descent. So this is not like the, a white man's religion, even at the very beginning mm-hmm. where the church is growing and expanding. There are people of color present in this. And really, the idea that this is like a white man's thing is like developed much later on in European history, um, because there are so many people that are early believers that are diverse. And like, I mean, diverse in the sense that we understand diverse today. And so that that is, I just want to call that out because it is commonly said like, oh, all those white guys with that Christian faith, like that's not the truth. Mm-hmm. And we need to be careful about that. And we need to be um, like well-equipped to actually teach the truth. And right here in Acts 13, you may have never noticed it before. It's actually called out um, that, that these dudes are of diverse backgrounds and they love the Lord and they want people to know Jesus. They want people to come to know Jesus and they're working hard in Antioch to be able to do that with Saul and Barnabas. Mm -hmm. I think what's cool is before they even go on their journey to this place, Antioch is like Saul's missionary place. Like this is where he goes outside of, uh, Jerusalem being, uh, what one commentary says is like the mother church still, uh, Antioch is that missionary church. So before they even go, I think what's really cool is we see this um, comparison even to like present day church where before missionaries go out, they are like prayed over by their congregation. Yeah. They're sent out well. Um, these people are taking it so seriously that they are pr- they're fasting and praying before they send them out. Um, God like speaks to them and says, yep, it's, it's these two guys right here. It's Paul, it's Barnabas. They're the ones to go pray over them and send them on their way. I just think that's really cool because that is something that we still even strive to do today when we send out missionaries for the same purposes. Yeah, I, I think you. It, it's important that you don't miss. They are fasting. Mm-hmm. And fasting is mm-hmm. called out at least two or three times in chapter 13. And it's evident from Acts that their understanding of like pressing into finding out God's will mm-hmm. involved prayer and fasting. And you really can't divorce the two. 
And so it, it is something that's lost on us today. We're not, we're not doing that as much. Um, I mean, maybe you are, but I think church as a whole probably isn't. You probably can't remember a lot of times you've heard about fasting being preached in church or encouraged in church. Um, but they, they were doing it and it was not like they gave up Instagram for a day or they decided (laughs) not to eat chocolate for a day. Like they did not eat Mm -hmm. while they were praying. They like that, the actual, uh, the actual word that is used means to go without food. So it's not like, well, maybe they actually just gave up Mm -hmm. sweets. Like, no, they fasted and they prayed. Uh, so we move into like, uh, I guess it'd be more of the end of chapter 13 where they're getting ready to actually take this journey and 14 picks up right where that happens. So they begin to minister in Iconium where they are quickly, um, I guess, pinned against the people because the Jews are like, hey, this is not right. You don't trust what they say to the point where they actually have to flee the area and they end up at Lystra, which is where... Um, I was mentioning this is kind of a callback to the beginning of the episode where that like awkward moment kind of comes along. So these guys, they're like fired up. They're ready to go. They're ready to go out, do their missionary work. The first place they stop, people are already against them and they have to flee the area for their own safety. Um, The second stop, they're so excited. They're like, oh my word, people are like, they're listening. They see the works that they've done. Like Paul is healing this crippled man. Um, or at least telling them, get up on your feet. People are like so excited about this. And all of a sudden they're like, oh my word, these guys, this Paul Barnabas, they're gods. We have to offer sacrifices to them. So I can imagine in Paul and Barnabas's minds, like, oh good, we're finally accepted in an area. They're going to hear us out. And rather than like getting to the end result they're hoping for, all of a sudden these people just start offering sacrifices in their honor. Like, oh my word awkward like what do you how do you how do you deal with that (laughs) the last time we heard about this uh something like this herod went out before the people in his royal robes and they worshiped him essentially like they gave him the worship that was due to god and he accepted it Mm -hmm. and god killed him on the spot Mm -hmm. so here they are even more explicitly worshiping them as gods. They go like they bring them lots of things that indicate they are gods and they actually rip their clothes and cry out, uh, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. And we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things mm-hmm. to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. So they, they quickly draw t- attention away from themselves and point it to Jesus, which is like a pretty big deal. Uh, yep. So I feel like that's a pretty big deal that they're just like, no, 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 don't do that. That's not what we're here for. Um, so they have this place where they get kicked out. The next place, people get super confused. Um, after that, Paul is actually stoned to the point where the people actually think they've killed him off. So I guess what is crazy most about this chapter, chapter 14, is that Although they have they have seriously faced pretty much many significant hardships in their ministry, and I think that that should be an encouragement to us that like Paul not too long ago was a sinner and that was killing Christians, and here he's come full circle and his first attempt to go and tell people about who this Jesus is that radically changed his life and the lives of many others. Like they've been almost killed. People are offering gods to them. Like, it, I feel like there would just be this moment of feeling like 
why are we even doing this? Like, what is the point? I don't know. What do you think? I'm super encouraged. And I underlined it in my Bible. The The closing uh, line in chapter 13 is the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And this is after they've been like conspired against. Mm-hmm. This is after they've been attacked. This is after yeah. they've been ridiculed. Um, I, <laughs> it's probably like blasphemy, but I wish it said that at the end of chapter 14. Uh, because that would be like a really nice end to our episode. It doesn't say that. Um, but the idea is there that in the early church, when the leaders are up against difficult circumstances, and I'm not talking like things didn't quite go the way they wanted. They're trying to, like, like they're trying to, trying to kill, kill them. them. Yeah. So it's not like, well, we went on that missionary journey and we only got three people to raise their hands instead of 15, um, <laughs> which that's not even a real thing anyway. They literally are being like stoned. Mm-hmm. They're literally being attacked and they're like, praise the Lord that we are worthy of suffering. And what's interesting is the Lord uses their suffering um, to reach people. It, it really doesn't make sense. Like they're being beat up and yeah. God uses it to grow their numbers. When was the last time you heard that as a church growth strategy? Like go out in a crowd and mm-hmm. get beat up almost to death and then more people will come to know Jesus. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's wild. However, there was definitely, like, when they returned back um, after that journey, they gathered together again um, with the church. And they, this is the end of chapter 14, verse 27, says they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. So, like, yeah. God had allowed them to go into those places and speak. And I think that's an interesting thing, too. Like, although you might not see the fruit of the mission or the missionary um, seeds are definitely planted and they're thankful for the opportunity to have been able to take it to those places. And I doubt that that will be, well, it won't be the last time that they have um, interesting journeys like this. Don't forget, this is their, their account. So like when they, when they come home to do their, their service about like what they did, Mm -hmm. their line is what God really opened a door for us. God really opened a door for us. Well, what happened? Go back and read it. You would not think that God had uh-huh. opened a door. Yeah, yeah. You what? would think like, wow, these guys are terrible missionaries. They just get beat up everywhere <laughs> they go. Um, but their account is God opened the door and we're going to praise him because of it. And we're gonna, we're ready to go on the next thing. Mm-hmm. The next thing is Acts 15. I can't wait to talk about that. I know you said that earlier today. But sticking to this, what do you think a good your part is for today's reading? I am super encouraged by these guys. And like, these are stories we've heard before. I just, and you probably tell from what I'm saying, like I am, I'm really intrigued by how much they get beat up and how much it seems like they're failing. And they are like, praise God. God is glorified. We want him to get the attention. It's, it's kind of a breath of fresh air to me that Mm -hmm. they're like, they're definitely not drawing the attention to themselves. Right. They're definitely, they're definitely not like, Hey, like these guys don't appreciate what we're trying to say. And how much is that a temptation sometimes? Like even the, oh my the ridiculous part where it said that they were sacrif- like offering sacrifices to them as gods. How often do we see that in our culture today where it's like, oh, yeah, look at me. I'm great. I, I did this. And it's so interesting how the disciples or oh, these that, two men are like, nope, God did this. We are not God. That is really interesting. When I was in uh, my little Mennonite church that I grew up in, I remember asking my parents, like, why don't we clap for people when they do good things? And like they, I think they kind of thought like it was kind of weird too, but like the answer was like, well, we believe that like 
God is the one that deserves the attention in church mm-hmm. and God is the one that we appreciate. And, you know, I went through a period in my life where I was like, ah, oh, that's so like legalistic and strict that we mm-hmm. can't clap for people when they do good things. And I actually find myself now in a place where it's like, you know, we could probably use a little less applause for like, it goes to your head really fast. And I like, I, I used to stand on platforms and preach sermons and I liked it when people applauded for me, just like you would like it when people applaud for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting how quickly that is a drug that draws attention away from Jesus and toward yourself. And how thankful yeah. can we be that and the Saul, door that God opened, yeah, not us. How thankful can we be that Saul and Barnabas did not walk out there and go like, "Let's just let's just give another hand for us." Yeah, you know, you know like, well, this is really great. Like they just strut around and <laughs> they're like, like, "No, no, no, it's not us at all. It's all God." Well, these robes fit me really nice. And have you seen my new <laughs> shoes? It's like, no, we're not doing a preachers and sneakers thing. We're doing like a praise Jesus for how wonderful He is. And anytime it even seems like we're drawing attention to ourselves, we want to avoid that like the plague. It's pretty cool. I'm encouraged by it. So I guess you you asked me the your part. The your, uh-huh. the your part, and not my story, the your part is uh, push attention to Jesus. And if you are not in a habit of doing that, uh, it's going to feel hard, I think. It's going to feel difficult. Um, but ultimately, like we exist to glorify God mm-hmm. and not ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I encourage you to to find a way to do that. Find a way today. This is probably like one of the more pointed ways I'm going to be. Find a way today to thank God for something that's happening in your life instead of drawing attention to yourself and your own abilities and your own Mm -hmm, talents. mm -hmm. They're from God. Um, So if you get complimented, just say like, you know what? I'm so thankful that, that God gave me that. And I'm so thankful that God put me in this situation and all glory goes to him. That makes us more like Saul and Barnabas and less like Herod. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for joining us today, guys. We'll be back again tomorrow in James. I like James too. See you then. Thanks so much for listening to God's plan. Your part. Don't forget. It is always more important that you listen to God's words rather than our words. So please stick around to hear the reading for the day uh, or go and find it in the Bible and read it yourself. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave a rating and write a review on whatever platform you are using to listen to us. Now that we have all that out of the way, here is the reading for today. Acts chapter 13. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a long friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? 
And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos, and came to Persia and Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on to Perga and came to Antioch in Poseidon. And on the Sabbath day they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them, saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up, and motioning with his hand, he said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm he led them out of it. And for about forty years he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about four hundred and fifty years. And after that he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for forty years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David the son of Jesse a man after my heart, who will do my will. Of this man's offspring God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am unworthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him, nor understand the utterances of the prophets which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they filled in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down to the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring to you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption he has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore he also says in another psalm, You will not let your holy one see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what is said of the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe even if one tells it to you. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. 
The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spread throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirring up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Chapter 14 Now at Iconium they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews, with their rulers, to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country, and there they continued to preach the gospel. Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men." of like nature, with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is within them. In past generations he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting they committed them to the Lord, in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Poseidon 
and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended by the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them, and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.